welcome back to the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. The only soccer pod where the host will actually admit to driving a minivan. I'm your host, TJ. Part of the U.S. Fan TV Network, I guess. Um, this week's show, I've got some games to recap for, for the first time in a while. You know, we're on the winter break for for Italy, but yet Copa Italia, play, uh, Roma played this afternoon with a 4 nothing win. I guess I can... You know, Roma... Roma is a, a fun team to watch. They were up early, one nothing. They were kind of rolling, and yet their back four always scare me. And um, they got the win for nothing. They got a second goal right before halftime, and that seemed to be the one that that broke broke the back. And then the second half, they just kind of cruised from there. But the first half, when they're up one nil, after about twelve minutes, they any time the ball went to the back, their back four. Just they're they're unnerving, but with the play of Robin Olson back there, it it kind of I guess balances. Robin Olson, I to me has been the MVP of that team so far this year, but a four nothing win, you know. And I I have found that if you go to manager Eusebio De Francesco's comments after the game, usually he'll put a quote in that will sum up the game perfectly. And and again, this is no. No difference. He says, I'm very pleased with the attitude the guys showed tonight. After the winter break, the squad returned with real desire and enthusiasm. That's a positive sign. And that, to me, was a perfect summation of the game. It, they, they've been on break. They're coming back in. And a good, solid win. They said a little, unnerv- little nervy at times in the first half, but yet a good, solid win. We had Guernsey back in action for the first time in a couple of weeks. They went to Ramsgate and in front of 220 people took away a 2-2 draw. And it was an impressive 2-2 draw. It, it's, um, again, and I, watching the post-game comments from manager Tony Vance, he talks about how this game 18 months ago, two years ago, this team doesn't win or doesn't they get a loss and they go home. And he's right. Um, we saw some things that I, I saw some things that are characteristic, unfortunately, in the sense of Guernsey that they seem to open the second half and give up a goal. And it's been a couple of times, but they went to Ramsgate and they got a draw. It, it, it's a solid draw. Ramsgate was ahead of them in the table, I think. And now Guernsey is still, they're still a mid-table team, but they're looking better and better. And, I, and it, if I heard the stat correctly, they have not lost on the road since mid-November. And for this side that has to travel for every road game, for them to be, un, you know, I want to say undefeated, but they they haven't lost since November on the ro- on the road. Hey, that's a positive sign. Um, in this game, things that stood out to me, the couple of things was Ramsgate's goalkeeper Luke Watkins in the first half especially made some magnificent saves, and Guernsey got a goal in the last minute of the in, in stoppage time of the first half from Matt Loring, who from the top of the circle. Just launched one and it got past, it got over Watkins and in the back. It was a great shot. Don't get me wrong, but keepers got to be more aware of that. Luke Watkins, for as good as he was in the first half, that was kind of a howler. And Guernsey got to go in one nil at halftime. I said Ramsgate comes out the second half. Rory Smith pops one in, and then in the 70th minute, he hits a hits just a screamer past um, Tom Letizia, who was filling in for. Uh, Callum Stanton, uh, you know, and it, it's amazing to me that that this side you got Tom Letizia, who f- hasn't played on the side for 18 months, fills in at the last minute for Callum Stanton. Yeah, he gave up a couple of goals. Both goals were neither one were his fault. Rory Smith, the first time, climbed the back of the Guernsey defender for a header, and the second time, he just like I said, 
just hit a cracker. And um, and then, interestingly enough, the game was delayed by 10 minutes or so because the referee pulled a hamstring. And did they use the fourth official? No. They did not use the fourth official. They brought somebody in from the stands to play the... Far- one of the assistants went in the middle, which is how you're supposed to do it. And then, but the second official, instead of using the fourth official as a, as an assistant, he must have been injured or something. They they brought in a fan, who went over and took the flag for the second on the far sideline. I'm guessing he was probably a licensed referee, but it was still interesting to see a guy in track pants and a in a winter in a parka carrying the flag. And his positioning seemed good. I have no questions about any of his calls. It was just kind of funny. Um, so for Guernsey, like I said, a, a great result, and um, they get to come back. And for the Green Lions to see uh, Dave Rehoy get a goal in the 70th minute to make it level, 2-2 draw, you know, a great result for the Lions, Green Lions again. Um, they got one more game this month, this coming Saturday. They'll be at Hayward's Heath Town. They don't get to come home again until February 6th, so they've got another... You know, this extended road trip, there'll be four in a row on the road that I can track in the, so far. The first four in 2019 are on the road. They keep, you know, draws aren't the worst thing on the road, so we'll see what happens as we go forward. But a great result for the Green Lions, so that was kind of cool. And then um, Wellington Phoenix, they've been undefeated for quite a while now. I got to catch a little bit of their game. It was on in the middle of the night. They went down early to... Central Coast and who's been bottom of the table and fought back for three three two win I believe and so great result result for Wellington Phoenix um didn't really get didn't watch all the game because it was the middle of the night but I watched the first part of it and they looked flat early so to see them come back um, based on the reactions I saw great result for Wellington Phoenix uh, Team Wellington on the other hand dropped one at home. To way to care United that drops them to fourth in the table in their first league game since December 1st and their first game since the heartbreak in Qatar against Alain and um, so I guess maybe a little bit of rust a little bit of heartbreak but they'll bounce back I'm sure they they still have the league they're still fourth they're still in the top half of the league they have champion the Oceania Champions League coming up in in about a month where they go to Benuatu, and that should be a pretty amazing thing too. So, looking forward to watching some of that. And the last thing I want to touch on briefly, just that was the trip on Saturday during the snow in Chicagoland, which made the roads not real fun to drive down. Was um, Hack Guy Pat and I went down to the National Coaching Conference convention down at McCormick Place on Saturday, and we just we did the main exhibit hall and we did of course so we got to see all the booths and there were a couple of fields where they were doing clinics but we did not go into any of the sessions we didn't do any of that stuff the sessions were interesting there's a lot of good information to have and kind of what i've learned when you go to something like that is you're not going to learn something that's going to revolutionize how you think it's going to take how you think how you train, how you approach the game, and it's going to enhance those skills. So I think those conferences and conventions and those breakout sessions are absolutely amazing, even though we just sat in the general ones that were on a couple of really big fields and then walked through all the booths and the exhibits. And the takeaway from all the exhibits in the at McCormick Place is, wow, there are a lot of analytics for tracking 
practices and touches and everything else and that's I guess the future. I mean Analytics seems to be the place and um seems over my head as a coach. Of course then again if as my coaching career kind of goes forward, I'm starting with 7 and 8 year olds so and I've so far I've coached pre-K and kindergartners so yeah, I guess the analytics aren't necessary, but um it was just kind of fascinating to see how many of those are to see some of the major clubs in the world at this convention promoting their their US academies, you know, things like um Barcelona was there, PSG was there, Chelsea, um Bayern Munich, a Feyenoord, Rangers, just to name some of them, Tranmere Rovers, uh Celtic I believe was there, uh, Chicago Fire had a bunch of things there. Pretty fascinating to see some of the clubs such as Scott Gallagher and Lutez and just, you know, down in St. Louis. And some of the tournaments and some of the just the technology was it was pretty amazing stuff to be around there. So that was really good experience, even though we didn't get the the full the full experience. And then when we did go on Radio Row, nobody was there, of course, because between the snow and it sounds like the Cooligans had a great party on the night before. So I'm sure everybody was recovering from that. So maybe next year we'll go try to be part of the podcast row with U.S. Fan TV or maybe the minivan dad soccer pod will be big enough that we'll find a home for it or we'll pay the money or whatever to be on there. That should be pretty fun. So, um, Which brings me to this week's guest. As I said, uh, this week we're I decided I was going to step outside my comfort zone. I'd had Hack Guy Pat on. I'd had Chris from US, both from U.S. Fan TV, and there's a, they're great conversations, and but they're guys that I've known for years. So tonight we had we had the soccer goose, Ben Geshorn, from the Talking Jack Soccer Pod, pod which is a podcast dedicated to the uh, Charlotte Independence of USL Championship now, is what they call it. And um, it was a great conversation. I've never really chatted that often with him. To me, that was kind of the first time it really was, like sitting down at a bar and talking soccer with somebody and learning a ton of stuff. I'm a soccer nerd. I I love learning things about new clubs. I love learning why people are fans of the way they are. And to have this conversation with Goose was awesome stuff. I hope everybody enjoys it. Again, it's unedited, so you will hear, you know, my nine-month-old in the background, who was a little bit fussy at times, but she eventually fell asleep. But it was a great conversation with Soccer Goose. It's probably an hour long, which means the podcast runs longer than I expected, but stick through stick with it it's great stuff you'll learn a lot about soccer in in north carolina south carolina and fans of the lower leagues and how they how they think how they and just it was a great positive experience so i'm very proud of that conversation and hopefully everybody enjoyed as much as i had having that conversation so my bar conversation this week is with the soccer goose from talking jacks hope everybody enjoys it and Hopefully everybody sticks through it and comes back again next week, and we'll have a whole new guest next week. Thanks, everyone. All right, and for tonight with the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod, we actually have somebody who does not drive a minivan, I don't believe. is not a dad, but does have a soccer pod, so we got one part of it. We've got Ben, also known as the Soccer Goose, from the Talking Jacks podcast. Ben, thanks for joining me tonight. I do appreciate that. So... Yeah, as I always said, the concept is we're at a bar. It's the equivalent of having a bar over the internet as much as you can have. So, although having a kid in the bar probably would get me in the white trash hall of fame. Um, <laughs> what do you? What kind of beer are you drinking tonight, Ben? What do you got? I'm, uh, I'm drinking a. Uh, it's from Highland Brewing, which is in Asheville, North Carolina, but it's uh, their Gaelic ale. It's um, 
it's a tasty beer. It's uh, described as a balanced malty sweetness with delicately hopped. So yeah, it's it's good. It's like a a good like evening easy drinking beer. So yeah, and Highland is is one of the good ones in Asheville, which is uh, it's a they it's a really small city, mm-hmm. but it's they probably got like. A dozen to like twenty breweries in like a very small area. It's pretty cool. It's it's a very cool area too. Um, but yeah, sounds like a good. I, I went with Yingling tonight. Um, I had a I had a surly earlier uh, First Avenue, but I, after that went back to Yingling because I'm still trying to clean that out of my fridge. Not that I can buy it here. I got picked that one up at Fort Knox about a yeah. got at the in beginning November, and I still have a couple in my fridge. So. And you, you can never go wrong with Yingling, especially when it's one yeah. you can't get around here. So, all right. So, as I said, we're just going to kind of chat through some things about soccer. That, um, wow, you are loud tonight. Um, we're going to start with, you know, like I said, I know you're an Arsenal fan. Arsenal had a had a rough go this weekend, drop into West Ham. So, um, I guess first question is, you said you, you let me know earlier you're a recent Arsenal fan. How did you become an Arsenal fan? I think that's that's always something that I'm like. How do you, how do people find clubs that for me, it seems like I find when I find a new club, it's usually either their social media is really good or yeah because I use them on FIFA. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm yeah. not an original person, so <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a fair reason to pick a team. Um, I, it's funny. I was like looking for a, an EPL team because I'd been into like lower division soccer for a little while um like a year or two and i was like you know what I, I probably should have like a an english premier league team um and i originally like um, i was like you know i kind of like liverpool like i like their crest and i like what they're doing i like Klopp. like he's a he's a interesting person to watch and he's fun to he's a fun personality so i'm trying to say um but uh my my best friend and roommate they eventually turned into my roommate he is now he uh, he was an Arsenal fan, and he was like, you know what? If you move at this time, before I was an Arsenal fan, he was like, if you move up here to Charlotte, you're gonna have to be an Arsenal fan because we're gonna watch Arsenal f- games, and that's just is how it's gonna be. And I'm like, well, I mean, I I guess that that kind of works out. That that that's fine with me. I mean, I didn't really have an affiliation, so I was like, you know what? I guess I can be an Arsenal fan. Like, Wenger seems like a an interesting person too, and like there was some fun players and things like that, and. Yeah, it, it, it's a very boring story, <laughs> and that's not a, a great one. But yeah, that's how I became a an Arsenal fan is uh, through a friend of mine, essentially, um, roommate, and that type of thing is is why I'm an Arsenal fan. So yeah, I don't, I, I, it, it didn't necessarily ha- it doesn't always have to be a good story. It's usually just one that, <laughs> and that seems that's not a bad excuse. Hey, my buddy was an Arsenal fan, so he said let's watch Arsenal. So I started watching Arsenal. You know, I've I've. Yeah. I've heard of a lot worse reasons to be a fan of a club. I mean, to be honest. So I, but so Arsenal um, went Spurs. I guess would be probably the best equation I, equivalent I can give to it. It seems like something. Yeah. But then again, those that know Arsenal have said they do this once or twice a year. They'll just inexplicably just lay down on a game. And West Ham, West Ham's yeah. not good. No, it it, it like it kind of just felt like they didn't like. They weren't threatened by them in a way. Because, I mean, they've beaten decent teams this year. I mean, they beat Spurs earlier and, and things like that. So, like, they're not 
they've played up to opponents, but it seemed like they kind of played down to them in a way. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why they lost and it didn't feel like it was that close of a game, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it was just, it wasn't a fun game to watch. It was very, it was just a frustrating one. Um, especially for a very early seven thirty kickoff, but yeah, that's, it's pretty fun. That's for well, sure. It absolutely. And I guess West Ham isn't as bad as I thought. They're sitting in ninth right now, so I guess they aren't awful. But that's yeah. a game. You, you, it's a game. If you're going to sit in the top six, I think you, I think you expect to win. And mm-hmm. I get. And the question, the question I've asked, asked Chris and Pat, I'll ask you the same question: As an Arsenal fan, do you see yourselves holding on to the Europa League spot, or do you see Man United overtaking at some point? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I really. I felt like, because I, I just started listening to a, an Arsenal podcast, and it, it sounded like we were going to sign some players, like it's we were going to sign someone, at least one or two pieces that we needed. So I was like, you know what, I, I feel more confident at this point, because we definitely have been hit by injuries and just needed some pieces. Um, but the recent news that came out this last week, um, I, I want to say Amory said it, or just the team announced it in general, that they aren't going to sign anybody. They may get some loan players, but they aren't going to sign any players. Makes me a little bit more hesitant um, to think we will. Um, it's it, it's going to be a curious little stretch here, especially after losing to West Ham. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the team bounces back. It's going to be interesting to see if Ozil ever comes back. I mean, I... I don't know what to think of the situation. Like I, I agree that like Emery has, his, he's been a good coach. Like I think he's done things well, but like to not have him to, to have the, the rumors of, Oh, it's a knee injury. Oh, it's strategic, but he's one of the highest paid players on the team. It just feels like you can't do that. Like if he's not injured, and you're just keeping it out for strategic reasons, but he's a quality playmaker and we're not making quality plays, then, like, something's got to give. And, and, I mean, I've heard that he wasn't going to go on loan anywhere and, like, he wants to do it right and he wants to, like, make things correct the rest of the year. And it's like, but is he going to give a chance to do that? I, I, it's, it's such a weird situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my conversations with my with my previous my, with the other two from US Fan TV who are Arsenal apologists, both Chris and Pat, and Chris will opine heavily on Ozil. He's I, I don't think he's necessarily a fan of him, and yeah, he, he thought they should have. He's the one that should have been sent instead of um, uh, the other ones that Ramsey. they let. What's that? Ramsey? No, the uh, from last year that. It could have been Ozil that should have left versus, um, God, the one that won, won, I think, that Manchester United, the other one's at Chelsea. It just, but whatever. Um, yeah. Ozil, Ozil needs to, you know, I think if they're going to win, I, I agree. I, I feel like he needs to do something. Um, yeah. He need, at least needs to be a, in the 18. I mean, Giroud. It couldn't hurt. Giroud. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking you may have been talking about him. But yeah, it's just it's a such a weird situation. 
I feel like it has to get resolved one way or another. I just, it's going to be curious to see how Emery um, handles that situation. Cause it, it feels like they've kind of had the cop out of him being injured as like a, a mask for what's Mm -hmm. going on. But like that can only last so long. Like, I mean, and the other one, and the other one was Alexi Sanchez, though. That, but Uh-oh. with Giroud and yeah. Sanchez both leaving, and you keep Ozil and Ozil, then decides. Now, is this kind of you know? I, I now here as an Arsenal fan, is it kind of you feel like it's a transition? You know, it's like, hey, we have a new coach, new system. You know, it's we're transitioning after eight thousand years of Arsene Wenger. Yeah, we're gonna hit some bumps in the road this year, and I felt like like Arsenal after they pummeled Spurs. I mean, they really pummeled them. It wasn't that yeah. close. No. And you look at, and you, so that's, you know, they both said that, hey, that's where we got hope, and then now it's all coming crashing. Now we're returning back to what we more expected. Is it mm-hmm. one of those, and what they both said, and I'll ask you as an Arsenal, knowledgeable with Arsenal, is it the defense? I mean, it seems like everything, everybody they went to get was defense, and it's like everybody they got seems to be hurt. Yeah, I, I think the main issue is the defense. I mean, that's where the injuries have been. Um, and I, I just think that something needs to change there. Like, the the main thing is, like, I would have been 100% fine with getting a, a, a decent center back to just kind of plug a hole because um, it does feel like there's a hole there. Like, I, I don't like Mustafi. I don't know that there's a lot of people that do. Um, but he's, I mean, he's had to consistently start. Um, I, I, I like Socrates, but I don't know that he works well in this league. I think he's just too physical. Um, but it, which is, it, which is really like, kind of, which is really kind of ironic because the premier league for years <laughs> was a physical, physical league. And now you can't do it anymore. <laughs> no, like he just it, it always feels like he has like one tackle that like like he 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 has a mission to do one like questionable tackle in a weird place on the field or like he'll get scared when he when he's when he's higher up, which we've been playing a higher line, like he'll get like a one on one situation and just like tackle somebody when he shouldn't. It's strange. Like I think he's a good defender. I like him in general, but you kind of feel like you're, you're all every game. You're waiting for him to be a uh, penalty or a red card, just waiting to happen. Yeah, or the like, other. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there's a, there's always a moment. Like I think he gave Salah that penalty when he played Liverpool. I feel I, like it was him, and it was just like, well, I'm not surprised. Like, <laughs> like he's gonna put himself in a situation where like the ref is gonna have to make a decision, and who knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I and 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 I do remember seeing that, and it, that's exactly what happened. Is he decided that that was the spot to, and it was one of those that, especially if I remember, he was right on the end line. I'm like, you, you really, you're, yeah. you're going to take a penalty there? Yeah, it was just like, like, and you can, I, I mean, I kind of got back and forth with with somebody about like, was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? This, that, and the other, but like, it, even if it was or wasn't, like. It was called a penalty. Like, well, and as a ref, I can tell you. Him. And as a ref, I can tell you, there was contact. Is it yeah. enough to be? Is did wasn't it as much that Salah made it seem like? No, but is there contact? Is it a foul? Yeah, and and the question is 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 it enough contact to warrant the foul? The 
the theatrics it never does. It's when you watch it, is there enough contact to be a reasonable foul? And that's kind of what, as a referee, what they have to decide. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how many, and I'm, I'm a referee, as I said, I've been a referee off and on since 88. And it's one of those things for me, it's amazing to me how many they get right. Mm, Especially yeah. at that, at the speed of the game at that level. I mean, I ref nothing more at this age, at my age, than U14s and, uh, and U16s and whatever in kids' games. And just to see the speed of those and that they get those right, I'm like, it's, yeah. it amazes me. And and that was one, and that and that's why it's like, is it a penalty or not? There absolutely was contact. Wasn't as much as, and that's where I think you lose, you're starting to see them lose penalties because they're exaggerating the contact instead of trying to play through yeah. it. And if you get the reputation of exaggerating contact, there's going to be some they're going to look at and go, nope, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> and that's where it gets lost. Yeah. But. It's it's an interesting, like, debate, I guess you could say, because, like, if a defender is physical with a player and a player stays on his feet, like, if Solid doesn't fall down there because he, he did exaggerate it, they may not call a penalty. But you're also, like, putting the attacking player in a situation that's a savvy player like Salah that like, if you're going to be physical with him in the box, then like, don't be surprised if he falls. Like, I don't love that about the game, but it's also like, if I'm a Liverpool supporter, I'm going to be like, good job, Salah. You took the contact and you fell. Like it's, I don't know. It's, and and I saw, and I saw something. I want to say it was on this weekend and it was, um, I want to say it was Martino talking about, but I'm not, I may not have been, but they were, yeah. and it may have even been about that penalty. And they were, it, the conversation was, well, it, if it's not a foul, then it needs to be a yellow card for simulation. I'm like, not necessarily. It's, there is contact. Is there enough to warrant a penalty is the question. If it's, they make a meal of it, but not really, you know, but there's still contact. It's like, well, or they get the ball first and then there's contact. No, you're not going to necessarily, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be either a penalty or a yellow card for diving. Sometimes it's just, there's contact and just not enough of it to make anything of it. And, huh. and it's, it's more to me, it's like, let it, then that gets into a whole nother thing for me as as referees managing the game. If they're consistent with those yeah. types of things, then they're really good. And the, and the ones that aren't when you're not sure what you're going to get at any given point, that's the ones you usually have, usually have the issues with. I mean, like when you get, is it Mike Dean? When you get him on a game, you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're getting. He's cons- whether you like him or hate him, and everybody nitpicks every call, so they don't like him. Yeah. Um, it's just, but he's he's consistent, and that's why they they get the reputations and they get the big games. But um, yeah. the other game, I, go ahead. Sorry, I was, go ahead. I think that's an interesting debate because, like, I I tend to lean towards the idea that like if a referee is gonna be um, there's a fine line, I think, with referees that I've kind of grown to understand that, like, if a, if a referee's going to be very strict on contact, then just be consistent with that. If he's going to be more loose in a sense that's not going to harm players, then just be more loose. Like, it, it, but if a referee isn't consistent, then that's where I get bothered is just like, you didn't call this a minute ago. Now you're calling it. Like, wh- what are we doing here? Like, and it, it puts players in a situation where like they don't know what they can essentially get get away with, or like what is the fine line? And there's so much of a gray area there with referees or a player. What up? What a player can do compared to a referee that it's it puts players in really tough situations too. I think. 
So, but yeah, go ahead. No, and I, and and that's exactly that's my point. Mm-hmm. That's part of game management is is that consistency. What yeah. where you're swallowing the whistle, where you're not. What what contact you're going to allow, what you're not. What are you going to allow the defenders to do, and what you're not. What's going to be bookable, what's not. And it's interesting is, um, of course, tw- Twitter's favorite villain, at least U.S. soccer's favorite Twitter villain um, in the sense of referees is Mark Geiger, who's just retired. Yep. And I and I can remember watching Geiger do games and everybody just ripping him. And I'm going as a referee, I'm like, he is an amazing game manager. He never uses cards. And yet you don't see the game get chip any chippier for whatever he does or however he calls the game. It, he lets him play. It gets yep. physical but it never gets out of control and he never uses cards. And I'm like, so whatever he does, I don't know how he does it. Everybody just falls into line with it. And I think so. And I, and I was always a fan of Geiger and there's a reason why he hit the knockout stage of the world cup. You can't be a bad referee. Well, you can, I guess. I mean, there's some pretty awful ones that make the world cup, but (laughs) you make the knockout stage. You're usually doing something right. And for Mm. those that have always called the Geiger show, I'm like, Actually, it's not the Geiger show. He lets them play a lot, and but so um, it's tough. It, it it's it's a hard job. It's a thankless job, and having somebody who's been around it forever. Yeah. At the youth, at, at the number of kids I've watched get knocked out at, at youth levels because of parents. Yikes! I mean, I can't imagine doing it in front of seventy thousand people that all hate you. You know, yeah. at any point. I think the biggest game I ever did was a sectional final. And I got booed by both sides in the first five minutes. I'm like, I thought I was doing something right then. So, <laughs> and then came off at halftime, had both coaches tell me, you weren't kidding when you said you were going to let him play. I said, Hey, I'm not, it, I want him to win the players to win or lose, not because of something I did. And they go, we, and both of them, like, we appreciate that. So, yeah, eh. like I said, it's a game management, it's a skill and some refs have it and some don't, but most of them in the premier league usually do. You don't get those games typically and not. And sometimes they, you know, like players, you got referees are like players. They do have bad days. There's no question about that either. Yeah. So, all right. So you found Arsenal. That's your premier league team to get you through the off season. Cause I know you're in every, you know, when I started following you on Twitter, it was in the middle of the USL season. It was the middle of, you know, every, it was the middle of, you know, you said you follow teams down the league. And I know Greenville's one of them it was the middle mm-hmm. of their season. Like I said, you talk USL, you talk Greenville, you know, or Charlotte Independence, you talk Greenville, and you talk beer. I'm sorry for a Twitter follow. To me, that's right up my alley. It's lower division yeah. soccer, it's small teams and beer. I mean, that's yep. So the MPSL, I guess. So, um, mm-hmm. which one did you find first, Greenville or or the Independence? Which ones? Which one was your team first? It's uh, I'll kind of wrap it up or describe it this way, unfold it this way is what I'm trying to say. Um, so I originally discovered the independence. Um, it was their inaugural year, inaugural. Ooh, that was a tough <laughs> one. I forgot how to pronounce it halfway through the word. Um, no, but yeah, it was their first year, um, in 2015. And I was living in Greenville, actually, uh, Greenville, South Carolina for reference's sake. Um, and I, my current roommate, the guy who got me to be an Arsenal fan, um, he, uh, he is really excited about the independence. He lived in Charlotte and he was like, man, you got to come up for a game. You got to come and see what things are going on. And I was like, I, I like, I played soccer in high school, like reluctantly. Um, but like, didn't really pay attention to it much thereafter. Like I would watch world cup games and like 
if there was other things, if there wasn't anything going on, I'd watch a match on TV or something, but I wasn't really into it too much. Um, but I was good friends with him. So I, I agreed with his perspective on things, I suppose. Um, so I went to a game. I'd never been to a soccer game in person before um, and just really enjoyed it. And it was, it was interesting too, because um, he had basically told me beforehand, like, um, and it was Louisville's first year too, but he was like, yeah, we're playing a team Louisville. Like they're doing good this year and we haven't won a game this year. Um, so like, don't really expect us to win or anything. Like, don't expect much. Like we're not that great this year. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily know a lot anyways. So like, I'm just going to enjoy the moment. And, um, I, I want to say, I think we won two, one in that game, I think. But I think the first goal that we scored um, or the game winning goal was one of the two. Um, I have a bad memory on this, Um, (laughs) but uh, it was there was a now the question is, is it a bad memory because of the level of alcohol that was consumed during the course pregame and so on and so forth? (laughs) No, it it wasn't one of those. I just have a historically bad memory on on a lot of things. Um, But uh, the um, there was a set piece. Um, I think it was like sent far post and a, one of our, uh, I guess you could say club legends, um, Patrick Slogic, who is, it's interesting cause he was a right back. If I'm not mistaken, he was a right or a left back, but he was six foot six. <laughs> so he was a very tall wing back, I guess you could say, um, or full back in essence, but he got on the end of the set piece, headed it in. Um, it was a amazing goal um and he like immediately ran over to the stands and like jumped into the crowd and i just happened to be one of those people that like caught him um which if you look on my twitter it's my uh banner photo i think it's called the the header thing um it's a super grainy photo but um but yeah like it's a it that's like where i started to like love soccer um and that year i think i went to like two or three games maybe um very sporadically but i went to a couple games because i just i really enjoyed that first game it was a lot of fun like we won um it was 1-0 or 2-1 i know we won by a, a goal margin um but yeah it was just a lot of fun it was cool hanging out with him and it was just a, a good experience um that i we didn't have in greenville at the time um spoiler alert we did get soccer in greenville but that's another later on story but uh but yeah so i i went to a couple games that first year and then the next year i uh it was 2016 i uh ended up getting uh season tickets um living in greenville still um i didn't get to go to all the games but i went to the majority of them um and it was uh, one of those things where i would like luckily like because greenville isn't far from charlotte but it's like an hour and a half, hour 45, depending on where you're coming from in Greenville and going to Charlotte. But it's a, it's in that spectrum. So it's it's not a close drive, but it's also like not fun to do that after a game. So I was able to crash on my uh, friend's couch after games most of the time. So that was nice. That was huge to be able to make me be able to go to games and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I was a season ticket holder in Greenville for the Independence in 2016 2017 i think i started the season in greenville um and then 
I ended up moving to Charlotte, so that made it a lot easier. Um, but yeah, the funny thing was then in 2018, uh, Greenville FC started, so it was kind of funny because in some ways, I mean, there was other factors too, but in some ways I moved to Charlotte to get closer to the independence because we didn't have soccer in Greenville. And then that next year we got a soccer team in Greenville. And I was like, if I would have just waited, I go to head soccer in Greenville. Um, but luckily I still was able to, um, go to a lot of their games in Greenville, uh, their first year, which was last year. Um, I had some taste of NPSL soccer, um the year before um with Asheville City um which is one of their rivals um I went to their first ever game and I think that was it their first year maybe another one but I I kept in contact with them because it was a really fun game their first one that I went to um I really enjoyed it and it was cool what they were doing there um and it was kind of in my area too so that was another um extra reason why I was interested in them. But yeah, so it was really cool to see Greenville FC kind of sprout up um, rather quickly and that type of thing and have a, a team in my hometown, essentially. I'm not originally from Greenville, but essentially that's where I grew up and that kind of thing. So I consider it my hometown. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into soccer and those are my two man, main fandoms, aside from Arsenal as well, um, teams I support, I guess. No, and that, and that, and that always fascinates the daylight out of me, and especially hearing you talk about the first year of going, <laughs> of going down the two-hour drive from Greenville to catching in, you know, the, the Jacks games in Charlotte yeah. versus, you know, because the first year, the first year I, when I got hooked on the Chicago Fire, it was it was the inaugural year. It was 1998. I graduated from college. And after I graduated from Minnesota, I moved down to Champaign, Illinois, because the girl I was dating was was going to school there. And I found a friend down there or somebody I knew off one of the mailing lists. That's how far back it goes. Instead of like Twitter or anything like that, there was like huge mailing lists, email lists. And that's how things communicated. Yeah. And but we would him and I would drive up from Champaign, which is a two hour drive to to Soldier Field for the first games. Oh, that yeah. first season and and of course you know that was the year the fire won the they did the double they did the mls cup and the open cup in the same year which was oh, wow, amazing yeah. but that's you know and it's funny is premier league I've, I've watched it can't find a team for the life of me i've maybe bournemouth maybe west ham you know but yeah arsenal i don't know it seems almost for me it's too cliche but if you for you having a friend that kind of hook that's how you got wrapped into it hey that's that to me is a that's is really good enough of a reason i haven't had anybody do that sorry to my two cohorts from us us fan tv both pat and chris you guys aren't good enough fans for me you guys got to work on that a little bit so not that, <laughs> not that they'll listen to this but um it's what you know so that i'm like going hey i remember those two hour drives and i can the only thing i can remember about the first game the f- first fire game i went to was memorial day weekend and the crowd was big but it was because they were doing a Bodine's concert afterward. And it was, and there were people that were there to see the Bodine's play after the game. And they're like, have no interest in soccer. And I can remember this to this day, like three rows behind of, there's this two couples, probably our age at that point, um, college age couples. And 
but they they both show up. The girls are wearing one's wearing like a Bodine's t-shirt, the other one's wearing a Bodine's hat. Um, and I I kid you not, the guys are there during the game. They are so excited. They're into the fire game. The the girls are bored to tears. The concert comes around and just take the roles in reverse. The girls are all into this concert and the guys are looking like this is yeah, okay. Yep. We got to be here. Yep. I guess that's the trade off. <laughs> so just, yeah, I will still remember that. But, um, so, so green, so, you, so how is it that you switch from Asheville to Greenville? I mean, the rivals, how do you, how do you make that jump and justify it? Or never that attached to Asheville to begin with just, it was, lower league soccer that you seem to enjoy. And then when Greenville came yeah. about, it's like, that's my, those are my guys. Yeah. That, that's mostly what it is. Like I wasn't too, like, I wouldn't say that I was distinctly attached to Asheville in like a supporter supporter role. Like I, I was a fan of what they were doing essentially, but I will say that like, I still, I do have made some friends in their, like in their group and that type of thing. And like, I still like, like I have an Asheville city shirt. Um, it, it, I have an Asheville city or city shirt. I keep saying something else. No, um, but yeah, I I still like. I would consider myself like positive about them. Like I I don't really get into like supporter culture and like rivals and things like that. That's one thing that I just don't. I don't like very much, to be honest with you. Like, I don't love the the banter and stuff like that on Twitter. I do like some banter. Like, I will, as you've probably seen, like, poke fun at things. But, like, there's a certain, like, fine line I think you have to follow. Like, and if you're just being negative, I don't... I don't see the the point in that. You know what I mean? Like... I, I don't know. It's it's tough because like social media is like innately like can be negative, but I don't see the point in that aspect in some ways. If that makes any sense, it, it, to me and, and thankfully it makes perfect sense. And this okay. was, um, and it goes again. It goes back. This goes for me. I, I've got a story that kind of rides into that. It's um, a few years ago. The fire were in the process of getting the wooden spoon. I mean, the worst team in the league, and. Um, <laughs> That was the year they did the the supporters did the blackout and all that stuff. And that's for fire fans. That's kind of going to become lore. But at the end of the season, a couple of my friends started calling me a fire fanboy, mm. and as if that was a negative thing. Yeah. And that night, and at that night, I was there. It was just me and my now six year old. He's almost seven. Him and I were at the game, and I'm just like, you know what? I look at him and it just the pure joy and the pure fun he has at these games. And, and and that's why the supporters culture, the negativity and being hostile towards whatever it it just I couldn't do that anymore to see how much fun he was having at this game and that he has every that he has sense to hear him from a fire fan perspective, see him dribble down the hall of my house, being the announcer, talking about Bastian Schweinsteiger every time. It, to me, it's amazing. And it's like, yeah, and that purity is kind of that night was kind of where that I wanted to stay with that purity. I love watching supporters groups when they're involved, when they're, you know, and they're making it and they raise, they're raising everybody up the positivity to it. And there are some amazing supporters groups out there and they're ones I'm sure you, you know, like the Lugans and, you know, those kind of groups mm-hmm. out there. Um, the Katazins and up, up in for Minneapolis city and 
just there's some that do just amazing work. Um, the Northern Guard with Detroit City, they're great with the community. They're great with their team. Those yeah. are I I get that when they turn hostile, that's when I start losing faith in any of them. I, I don't see the point of the hostility. I, I feel like the supporters, they're supposed to be the biggest fans, so they should always be the ones to lift everything up, not drive them when they're down. So I, I guess I can see the if it get when it turns personal in a rivalry, yeah. I, I lose interest in it. You know, poking fun is one thing. I think having fun and, you know, and I'm going to use a, a segue to another story, uh, another story because I'm old. I have a lot of them. <laughs> one year um, I went, I'm a University of Minnesota grad. We got tickets to go watch Minnesota play Wisconsin in football at, in Madison at Camp Randall. Yeah. And we were in the Badger alum, the Wisconsin Badger alumni section. And here we are all decked out, faces painted in Minnesota, maroon and gold. And we got so much garbage the entire game from the Badger fans. And we gave it back when we could. I mean, we were just poking every play. There was somebody to be mocked. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they invited us to the bar. Like these Badger alum. All right, come on. Let's go to the bars. We're treating tonight. Yeah. That's what it should be. That's the ideal. Hey, mm-hmm. mock each other, have fun. But at the end of the day, go grab a beer with every, or go have a drink, go have fun. Not, not take it hostile, personal. Let, we need to fight. Like, I think there's video yeah. of the Red Bulls and the NYCFC fans fighting. I don't get that. That's where I'm yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't get it. It's it's a game. Yeah, like, I, I get it at a certain point, because, like, I'm a very passionate fan. Like, I will scream and yell and swear and things like that at games like i will do that but like at a certain point like and it may be because like the independents haven't had like a distinct rival for that long i mean they had they have ncfc of course but like they've been in the nasl like this this last year was the first year that we like consistently played them um and like i just don't get like the idea of disliking somebody just because they there's a like an air quotes rivalry like i don't get like a negative rivalry and the 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 main reason why i don't understand it is because like i've seen like positive rivalries like with greenville and Asheville city like we had a positive rival like we didn't have any like strife and like we were cool and like I felt fine hanging out with them and, and things like that. Like when we went to Asheville, it was cool hanging out with them. And when they came to Greenville, it was fine hanging out with them. Like, I didn't feel weird about that. And I don't, I I feel like, and it's, it's interesting because like, I don't, I don't see the point and maybe because I'm just generally like a positive person and I don't like, like confrontation. Um, but I don't, and I, the main thing I don't get is like, I don't understand the aspect of, like acting one way online and then like being different in person. Does that make sense? Like presenting yourself like in a different way than sure, what no. you like want to be. And like, I, I think at like, the end of the day, like you kind of said, like you can poke fun and do this and do that. But like, if you're not going to be like welcoming to other people, like I don't get that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it I, feels weird to me. Like when, like for references sake, like if somebody came to Charlotte and like we lost to them and I would be like, yeah, y'all like, or we beat them and I would just like talk shit to them. Like, I just don't, 
I, I mean, there's there's making there's like banter and things like that, but there's like a certain line that you kind of have to like realize that there's a person there that's like supporting that other team, and like we're kind of all doing the same thing. You know what I mean? No, and and, and I, you and I do agree on that 100. percent And I I hear my my wife all the time saying that to my son when he wins or loses. It's like at the end of the day, you shake hands and you say good game and. I said it a little simplistic. Yes, I get it. But he's also six, so you have to keep it that way. Yeah. But comma, but, you know, at the same time, you're, you're 100% right. At the end of the day, you're fans of a team, and you're some yeah. of the better fans of the team. You should you should respect that. And now I get it. If those, you know, if, if a fight starts because there's racism, sexism, homophobia, yeah. whatever, I get that. That I'm not including that at all. I'm talking straight mm-hmm. banter club on club banter at the end of the day you shake hands you walk away you you buy a drink you call it a day and move on um that's what it should be it shouldn't be where you get that personal where you bring into those isms that we're talking about and that that seems to be where some of that stuff starts and to me again it's unnecessary in in any in any aspect but yeah everybody's a soccer fan especially you know you get a and it's you know I'm an ML, I'm like I said I'm a Chicago Fire fan. You're you're you know you have Charlotte Independence and these aren't teams that are global icons that you have millions of people backing you up. Yeah, paint I, a positive I, image. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing too. Like if it was, I would still feel the same like for a Spurs fan for reference's sake. But I think there's another aspect of it that like this is like lower division soccer and like. We are if we're if we're being counterproductive towards another supporters group for like acting a different way or like gatekeeping, essentially, then like there's no need for that. Like we're all struggling to do this, like support our team that may not be like the best team in the world or like the best team in the region. But like we're still going to away games or like supporting a club or that type of thing. So like. Why be negative about that? Even if they happen to be, there happens to be a rivalry. Like, I just don't. And and then, like, like I kind of said too, like with the Greenville and Asheville rival, it's very like mellow, I guess you could say. Like, it's not a, a combative rivalry. The Independence and the Battery is a very normal rivalry. Like, I look forward to going to Charleston because. I've made friends there and like, I I don't like the idea of like, the main thing for me is like, I got into soccer because like, I found like a community there and I found good people there. And like the idea of like going to a game and like not liking people that are going to be there just feels weird to me. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, but okay. then again, I've also been to U.S. Mexico, and you know, there's a whole different level to it. Than, <laughs> so yeah. I've I've seen some of that. But um, so you said you've been to Charlotte. I mean, I assume you've been to um, to NC uh, NCFC game. Mm-hmm. What's of all the all the places you've traveled to? What's what's been your favorite? Like, where's the stadium you go to? Go, I love going there. Can't wait to go uh-huh. back. Or is there anything that's kind of piqued your interest? Like, that's where I like going. Uh, aside from the home games. Yeah, I mean, aside from home games, like, um, that's a tough question because I have been to a lot of different random places. Um, 
Like if if I had to like, I've only been to Charleston once, but I did really like Charleston. Charleston was a lot of fun. Um, NCFC was cool. Um, really, like the main thing that I like really look forward to is like Asheville City games are just fun. It's a really cool stadium, um, and like I just have like really good positive experiences there whenever I go there. Not that I don't have those at other places, but like it just feels like pure in Asheville, if that makes sense. Like it just feels like a positive atmosphere and like it just like it feel it may be because like we won there, Greenville won in Nashville, so that could be possibly why. Like it could be different if we didn't win there, but like it just like I look forward to like that game. I think probably more than any other one. And like, I will go to like Asheville city games. Like I would feel completely fine going to like an Asheville city game. If they're playing somebody else, even if it's not Greenville, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I I would feel the same with Charleston if it was closer, but like, I would love to, I like, I always feel positive about going to those games. You know what I mean? No. And exactly. That's, and that's kind of why I asked the question was, because each, every everyone has its own different thing. Like for me, um, of the places, and I haven't been to again. Same thing. I've I don't get to a lot of road games. Um, I mean, I've been to the Aurora Borealis, which is um, used to be the Great Lakes Premier League. I'm not quite sure what. I think it's UPSL now. This year, I'm hopeful. Hopefully, even though I've been a, a part owner or whatever for Minneapolis City for this will be my third season, and I still haven't made it to a game there because. <laughs> Just getting out, getting out and around when you start adding in, you know, the time of being, you know, a dad and working and then uh, let's throw in the reserves with it and leadership roles there. It's you don't get a whole lot of spare time to do it. And mm. um, but can't wait. That'll be that's the goal this year is get to Minneapolis City for sure. Um, I'd love I can't wait to see a game there. And then for the USL, I, I want to get to Pittsburgh. I That is my that yeah. is the place I of of the in the Eastern Conference for you for the USL um the championship it's it's Pittsburgh and then in the West it's Phoenix now Phoenix is relatively easy I lived there for six years okay so that makes that kind of makes sense no they didn't exist when I lived there but yeah I still have friends out there they're still attached and they've got me hooked on them as well but mm-hmm. Pittsburgh it was I was watching a game online and again my my six year old he he loves trains. There's a train, oh, and you've seen, and if, if you've watched mm-hmm. the Riverhounds game, that that train yeah. go, Dad, trains. <laughs> yeah, there's stadium. There's there's a couple like, I don't know how many I'm gonna be able to do this year because just scheduling and things like that. But they're like Pittsburgh is one of those cities that like the stadium looks cool. I've had really positive experiences with people online in Pittsburgh um, or the support the Riverhounds. Like that's one of those that like I really want to go to. Um, it's one of those that like I feel like it's like a it's like a soccer bucket list essentially. Like I, I want to go there very soon because I just sure. feel like it would be a a positive experience there. Yeah, and I, and I feel like the other one maybe in the east would probably be the Indy Eleven just because it's not a far trip. They play yeah. Lucas Oil the Lucas Oil Stadium or Lucas Oil Field. I forget which one it is, but. You know, I haven't been. I haven't seen that. I think that'd be kind of cool. Although I think it'd be massive to be see that place and just empty. But um, yeah, I, I, I've heard interesting things that like 
um, I forget who said it, but somebody was like, yeah, they're like, it's interesting because like they're making a lot of noise as a supporter, but like it just still feels empty because like it is in essence half full or a quarter full or whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Indy 11 would be a cool one to go to as well. I don't know that you saw it. You, you may have, but they, they just released like a 20, 30 minute, like sort of documentary about like their founding and like a brief synopsis of like getting to where they are now. Um, it's like lady glory or, or something like that. It's really good. Um, it's on like Vimeo or something. Um, but it's, it's a good watch and it kind of gives a, it's a very quick synopsis of the club, but it's cool to see like where they started and, uh, a brief, like up to speed where they are now for that club. Yeah. I've got, I've, I've got one, I've got an Indy 11 Jersey from when they're in the NASL and actually ironically enough, I have a river hounds Jersey as well in my collection that I've added over time. So, cool. oh, if you, my Jersey collection is obscene. Um, yeah. <laughs> To the point where my wife is now saying you need to get rid of some of them. So I actually, for Minneapolis City is in their in their club shop, they're doing a used jersey sale that they're using for consignment. So if anybody who listens that lives up there, definitely go check that out. I've contributed. Yeah. I gave up three jerseys. I gave up um, uh, David Beckham from his first year with the Galaxy, which was, I don't know if it was his first year, but it was a 2008 or 2009 LA Galaxy jersey that I picked up. I'm clearance for like 30 bucks or something ridiculous like that. It's a replica. It's not an authentic or anything like that. Yeah. But um, I don't wear it anymore. I'm like, yeah, we'll send that one. And then I picked up a Germany replica of like, a, I think it was 2014, give or take. It was a green one, like a yeah. throwback to their 80s. Again, I got big. That one doesn't fit me. And then the other one, which is, I have, I had like three or four in my cl- my collection that I look at and like, these are ones that people, and it was a, a Vodafone. Manchester United jersey that I picked up in 2004 oh, wow. at, at, a cha- at Champs. This is how much I remember. At Champs, Champs Sports in, yeah. in River Center in San Antonio when I was there for our, my initial Army training as a medic. At medic training, I went, and that's when Tim Howard at first went over and played for Man United. Uh-huh. I'm like, and that was their goalie jersey. I'm like, I want one of those. Yeah. So I, and I've had it in my closet for years. And I haven't worn it. I think I've worn it once in the last three years. I'm like, yeah, that one we could probably ship. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they're, it's supposedly they're doing it on consignment. And if they're listening to any of this, my answer is put the money to the club. My wife says yeah. I have to clean out the closet. So I'm given my arsenal one that I have is I have one that has Dreamcast on it. That's how far back that one goes. Uh, I think that one's. I, re- I will eventually. I, I've got like two arsenal kits right now. I want desperately a, a Dreamcast because I had a Dreamcast as a kid. Like, I really want a Dreamcast Arsenal kit desperately. I will buy one eventually, but like, I think that's such a cool, like, random kit sponsor that feels weird mm-hmm. in the current day. That, like, it's a dead system, of course, and it's dead very early on, but it's it's something that, like, I would definitely like to get eventually. But I didn't actually know they were doing that. That's pretty cool that I knew they were doing, like, a, a kit, um, uh, pop-up or whatever but that's cool that they're having people ship them kits and they're going to sell them and and, and, thing in their shop. and i guess and like i said i think you can do it down consignment where they you know they keep some money that, that for me they can keep all the money it to me that 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 club is what they do with, for that community the fact that they're a 5013c the fact that they donate time and everything to the community itself i think is amazing and that's mm. part of why i love that project and the fact that i've i i now am, i have my support my membership 
Mm-hmm. And I also have my nephews also get memberships from that's Uncle TJ for Christmas gets them membership. My two nephews that live up there both get memberships to Minneapolis <laughs> City. And, the, and both my brothers are like that's actually outstanding because they're they're 14 and or 14. Oh, yeah. One turns 15. The other one turns 16 this year. Nice. And what do you get those kids? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, they both play soccer. So, the, hey, that went right up right in their wheelhouse. So, yeah. Nope, the that one the Arsenal's kit I got for free, believe it or not. Um a buddy of mine um he his mom went to England. This is got you know, that's how far back it's nineteen ninety nine, I think. <laughs> and it was she brought him back a double XL, which is how big he was. Except it was a European an English double XL, which is a US XL. He couldn't uh-huh. fit in it, so he gave it so he actually gave it to me because he was a soccer fan. Nice. That's cool. So, so yeah, it's, it's an XL. It's it's hanging here. I think I'm supposed to be giving it to Pat from US Fan TV, but he's not an XL, so a double XL or an XL. So it's probably gonna. You know, that's one of my unicorns. The other one is um, and I and the, again, you have to go back in soccer lords. Newcastle when they were sponsored by Newcastle Beer. Yeah, that's the, I, when I first like realized that that was a thing. I was like, "That's so cool!" Like, that's that's another one. Like, I'm not a Newcastle fan, but like, if I ever turned into like somebody that collected random kits, that would be one that I'd like to have. That's really cool. That's one, and then I have um, I don't have the Charlie Brown Kansas City Wizards one. That would be one I would love to have, and I've never been able to track it down. I have the one that came after it, where it's like got the rainbow sleeves when it was still the Kansas City Wizards. They're yeah. still playing at our at uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're talking about the in, the Indy Eleven at Lucas Oil. I'm pretty sure same same concept. Man, yeah, ten thousand in a sixty thousand seat stadium. The sound just yeah, It'd be weird. It would be. It would be a tough one. So. So let's see. So I guess we're going to finish on I want to finish on a positive anyway. So um yeah. I I definitely need to check out if if you're listening you guys everybody's got to check out the Talking Jacks pod. If you're not a fan of Charlotte Independence, if you listen to these guys, you will become one there. They definitely enjoy it. There's no question about it. Um and what I found amazing and this is what I kind of wanted to ask you about kind of sum it up cuz you're you're a pod guy doing another pod and you guys were there for the Jim McInnes introductory press conference and you guys got to do an interview. Do you guys, yeah. I, I mean, how cool is that that the club supports you guys with it? Is that, was that new that they were, or have they've always been, um, or is that something was, evolving? I guess it is evolving. Um, like it, it's funny because it's something I, 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 I was going to be going, it's funny. I was, going to be able to go because I wasn't going to work that day with uh, my roommate who knows more of the technical side of podcasting. I don't know too much, to be honest with you. Um, but he does. And I knew both of us were going to be going. And I was like, we have a, a good relationship with the team, um, but we've never really done like player interviews or, or anything like that, like team access, I guess you could say. Um, but um like i've been around the club for a while so they know i'm a a decent human being um (laughs) but yeah i was just like would you i asked my roommate like would you want to try to do that like is that something you'd be able to do and he was like yeah if we can try to do it and then i was like i sent the i guess you could say like it's one of the staff members for the team 
a, a DM on Twitter and I was like, Hey, is this something we can maybe do? Like, I don't, I don't necessarily need a lot of time. I would just like, like to talk to him because I think that'd be cool to do. And people would want to hear that. Um, so it just kind of came together, uh, really sporadically, um, like a day or two before the press conference is how that happened, but they are definitely supportive. And it's, it's something that I'm going to be interested to try to expand upon more, um, as that because we know it's an option now essentially um but it's cool that they are receptive to that um just because it's it's nice to be able to have that medium um to share things like that like i didn't think that i'd ever be able to do something like that and it's cool that they are supportive of us um supporting them i suppose and i guess because you know the the fire usually their roster is pretty filled you know for the most part and I'm looking now, and I see that you guys have like six guys signed. Is that is that tougher to kind of yeah. get everything <laughs> when it's that late? Yeah, that that is one thing. I mean, it's our team is not like a big budget team. Essentially, like we're not going to be a, a Rowdies team and have like I don't know. They probably have eleven people signed already. That's not going to be us, and we know that. Like we actually probably honestly have more people signed currently than we have in the past. Honestly. Um, but yeah, it's it it does make it a little bit more difficult. Um, but it's it's hopefully something we can we can work around as the season gets closer. Um, and using those connections, I guess you could say. So is it looking to make so first year of Jim McInnes is this going to be? You guys seem pretty optimistic when I when I listen to it. Do you guys? So what do you? Um, we're, we're now. I mean, you're a month. You're six weeks away from now. You're now in the dead of winter. Yeah. How do you, is, you still have that optimism or is this going to be, I, I, I took away you guys talk culture shift and, and, and listening to it and hear you guys explain and hearing him explain it. I thought that was a really good assessment was culture shift. This, the whole mentality of what the club is looking to do. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I'm very high on him. Um, I'm honestly, I lean more towards being optimistic than negative about things in general. Um, I mean, you can obviously say, oh, he did not grow up playing soccer. He didn't coach soccer. He's only been doing this for six years or so, and this is his first major coaching gig. But I'll I'll say it's easy to look at that and say, oh, he's not going to be good. Like, he's not going to be a good coach. He doesn't know what he's getting into. Um, and th- that's fair. Like I'll, I'll admit that's a fair assessment. Like he could fall flat on his face, but in the same token, uh, I mean, I have been reading his, his memoir as well. That cr- basically follows him being a, uh, Gaelic football coach in Donegal and taking a Donegal team. Um, and Gaelic football is not like regular football for references sake, um, or soccer, but, um, it, he took a team that was, not heralded to be a good team at all like they were on no one's radar no one cared about them and he won a um he won trophies with them to put it simply um and it's i the other thing to all say that makes me positive about him is he after winning that championship with essentially a championship with um donegal um he was approached by somebody in the celtic ownership and was like I want you to be a, a coach with us. And like, if it was a small club, I would feel like, oh, that's like they're just taking a gamble on him. 
but like they've essentially like handpicked him because of what he has done and he's fallen into this new trajectory of life and it's it's really interesting because like he has only been doing it for about six years or so um but he's like he like you said that we talked about on the podcast he he's very he was a um psychology major he was a um i want to say he was a he was essentially hired as like a consultant to um to be a psychologist for young players and like so like he has a good foundation i feel like and that makes me super excited about it and he's also been known to be like an inventive type of a coach i'll say all that to say too if he was going to be the head coach the gm the main person in the office and like didn't have a support system, I'd be terrified because that's not a good idea. Like that's bad. Like, I don't care if he's coaching like UPSL or something. That's, I don't like that idea. Like I would be scared if it was, even if it was like an NPSL team, but like, he's going to have Mike Jeffrey still as a a GM, essentially coaching assistant. Basically, he's also going to have an assistant coach who was the assistant coach in Indy 11 last year. And the year prior to that, he was uh, a coach in the League 2 PDL, whatever you want to call it, um, and won a championship with them, the Charlotte Eagles, as a head coach. So he's got a good support system, which makes me more excited for it as well. Also, like, I think his ceiling is really high. Like, he's not, he wants to be a, 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 a big time coach, essentially. Like he's not just doing this because like he got bored with Gaelic football. Like, I think this is going to be essentially be a stepping stone, but from what I've looked at in interviews and the way he seems to be as a person, just reading his book and things like that, he's a very intentional person and he's not going to do something on a whim. Like he's not just going to come to Charlotte and be like, well, if this works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't like he, he wants to make this work and really, has the drive to make an impact with this club, um, which is really exciting. And I think that like the upside of him as a coach is going to be X. It's going to be, I think it's going to be huge. Like sure, it's, sure. it's tough to gauge him as a coach because like, I still have no idea what formation he's going to play. If he's going to be attacking defensive, who he's going to sign, who he's going to like attract, because like you'd look at it from like a player's perspective, like, he hasn't really been a coach before. Like that's strange, I guess you could say, but also it's, it's going to be curious. It's going to, it's not going to be boring. I'll definitely say that, which is an exciting thing as a independence fan. So, yeah. And you know what? And not being bored, I think is just, that's the, the optimistic part of it. You know, you you need to have that, or that's the, the reason to keep going. If you're going to be bored, you'd be like, all right, if I'm not getting drunk, this is really not going to be fun. Um, the one thing that I, the, the one thing I caught when you know you guys were talking about Jim McGinnis and then my research, he's got a UEFA Class A license. You don't get those that. That to me tells me he knows the game. Whether he yeah. started it or whatever, he has studied it to the point, technically and in terms of how to run a team. He's got the top license in the world in that sense. I I think. I think for in that sense you should be optimistic and um I and I'd like to I mean I'd like, you guys I know you you guys what you got a couple more years at Matthews and then you guys are moving 
to mm-hmm. a, to its own stadium. And I, I think so. I, I like the idea of of that move now because, like you said, if he's that good, building yep. up for when you guys move into and become start taking that next step. You know, that's that's that would be a good way to do it. And yeah, maybe he does move on at some point. Maybe he goes back to Celtic. Maybe he moves up to the MLS or something like that if he's that good. But if he's that good, <laughs> it means you're going to pay. You guys are going to get the, the benefits of it. And I think mm-hmm. and after hearing you guys talk about it and after um, doing all looking into it, yeah, I think you guys are a team on the upswing. I mean, if Jeffries can pick up some some good player, you know, keep bringing in a roster. Hey. Use, and use the use the Charlotte Eagles, and as much as I, you know, I have my issues with the Charlotte Eagles as a whole. Yeah, they have a good pipeline. They have a good pipeline yeah. of players, and if you can start bringing them in, you're going to be on to something. So, yeah, it definitely, it feels like we are on the upswing, um, and I, I'm excited. It, it, I it made me more excited than I have been. The previous off season, so that's that's a positive as well. Like I'm an excited fan, obviously, and I'm very invested in the team. But I'm more excited than I have been in years past, simply because of this move. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. That that that's for sure. <laughs> well, I think it's a worthwhile experiment, especially like you said, you're not a huge budget team. You, sometimes you take some chances and and they work. You're gonna you get the benefit. They're not. Well, you probably weren't going to be much better, you know, as a low budget team anyway, and you yeah, know, you, and you never know, you, you never know who's going to come in, look at it, and put in some money into the slide, and so, mm-hmm. but I think I think we're on a positive note, so I think we'll call it a night at that. It's late oh. here, I know it's after midnight for you, so <laughs> I appreciate Ben, I appreciate the time, I appreciate you coming on the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod, and yeah, no problem. All the best, all the best for the Eagles, and thanks for and thanks again for joining us. So. Yeah, we'll talk again. I'm sure we'll do this. Hopefully, we'll do this in midseason again too. So, yeah, wouldn't be opposed to it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, listening to me. I guess. All right, thank you. And thanks again to the Soccer Goose for coming on and joining me today. Like I said, I had a blast. I learned a ton. It was kind of a positive conversation. When we need more positive conversations like that. So, um, for those who are still listening, thanks for hanging around for with me this long. I can be found at either at TJ Zaremba, which is my own personal Twitter handle, or the the show's pod Twitter handle is at MinivanDadPod. Feel free to send in questions. I'll be more than happy to answer them on the show, whether it's about soccer, whether it's about me personally, whether it's about military life. Anything you want, I'll be more than happy to try and answer them. And until, again, thanks one more time to Ben from the Talking Jacks Soccer uh, soccer podcast and he's also known as the soccer goose so thanks again everybody morbi magus melius good night everyone <laughs>